It's said that your real life begins where your comfort zone ends. Well, it's about to get real as we have radically authentic conversations to help you thrive in your personal and professional life while navigating the twists and turns of being human. Buckle up, because this might get uncomfortable. Starts right now with Whitney Lordson. I feel like I could easily call the Monday episodes of the show things that make me uncomfortable today or things that have made me uncomfortable in the past week because a lot of things make me uncomfortable. And I feel like sometimes people are surprised and I struggle with some of the things that I do. Maybe they believe that because I do this podcast, because I work in the health and wellness space, because I do well-being coaching, that I've, this even sounds bizarre to say, got it all figured out. (laughs) And it feels bizarre because who has it all figured out, really? And man, the last 24 hours were a bit of an interesting roller coaster. And they remind me of a number of things that I felt hyper aware of struggling with, feeling uncomfortable with. And that awareness is a big key. I would say if I do have something figured out, it's awareness. What I have learned through my work has taught me to acknowledge what I'm struggling with, how I'm struggling with it. And I can see the ways in which I can move through it. That doesn't mean that it's easy or fast. It's still a big journey. So today, I'm going to share with you what a few examples, really, of what's been tough for me. I'm going to pause here for a moment before we get back into the conversation to thank Athletic Greens for sponsoring the show. As I was thinking about how to incorporate it, I kept coming back to how simple it feels to take something like this that's an all-in-one It's a green powder with 75 vitamins, minerals, whole food sourced ingredients, probiotics, and adaptogens. So you can just get off the day on a good track, support your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, all of these things that are so important to helping us when we're feeling stressed, when we're feeling overwhelmed. For me, this makes a big difference because I can just put some in a bottle of water and know that I'm taking good care of my body. It's been so wonderful at home. I take it when I'm traveling. I love the taste of it. It's really great if I just want a quick green juice and it costs less than $3 a day. So it's been so wonderful to have and I'm excited to pass on to you a free travel pack of five small sizes of AG1, this powder I've been talking about, plus a free one-year supply of their immune-supporting vitamin D, which I also take every single day. If you'd like to take advantage of that, visit athleticgreens.com slash Wellevator. That's athleticgreens.com slash W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R. That'll be in the show notes and in the description of the episode to make it really easy for you to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. So let's begin with the more recent experiences. Today, I struggled for 
a fairly brief period of time because a podcast guest canceled last minute. We were supposed to be recording around the time that I'm recording this episode. And that was hard because it was the second time this person canceled. And I told myself the first time they canceled that if they did it again, that I would not go out of my way to rebook them unless they rebooked themselves. And they chose not to reschedule. They just chose to cancel. And they had a very similar reason as they did the first time. Although the first time, I think they had automatically rescheduled themselves without me asking. So it was interesting for them to just cancel and not reschedule. It was kind of a signal to me that either they don't want to do the show or they don't want to put the effort into rescheduling or they weren't thinking about rescheduling. I don't know. They gave me very limited information. This is a person that I've had very minimal interaction with, but nonetheless, I was really looking forward to this person. And it was interesting because they canceled with short notice both times. The first time was a few weeks ago, maybe a month ago. And it was like, I mean, maybe an hour before we started recording. And behind the scenes, for those that don't understand how podcasting works, at least the way that I do it, everybody kind of does their show a little bit differently. But I work with a small team of people who do the show notes, who edit the episode to make it sound a little bit better, to reduce, to remove any errors and and just optimize it so it sounds nice for you. And I have to submit my episodes about 10 days in advance at minimum. And when I'm booking guests, I always have to keep that in mind, that 10-day window. And especially when I'm traveling as I am right now, I need to be really mindful of my schedule because in addition to submitting things in advance, I'm trying to keep in mind when I'm on the road and unable to record. I'm trying to keep in mind when I want to do things for fun, you know, blocking time off my schedule. I also now do all sorts of consulting and coaching. And so my schedule is challenging to manage. I have figured out a system for myself, but what is really hard to incorporate into that system is when people cancel last minute. And so when a guest cancels that last minute, I have to scramble to fill their space. Now, fortunately, because of my travel schedule, I have guests booked out for a few weeks. So it wasn't that hard to move things around. But what was challenging was that now I have one less guest in the queue, which means I have to put more effort into getting even more guests than I was planning on for my next batch of recording. And certainly there are systems that I'm keeping in mind. You know, some podcasters, they're booked out months in advance and perhaps I can get into that flow, although that reduces flexibility, you know, that has a whole nother challenge associated with it. That's not a big deal because I've had to deal with this off and on. But it's very rare that someone cancels that last minute. And so part of what I was struggling with, part of what felt uncomfortable for me was the frustration, the disappointment, the judgment, actually, that I was feeling towards this person without giving too many details away about who this person is. It's someone that I had some respect for. Obviously, (laughs) I was interested in them. I've known about this person for quite a long time. And 
I found myself losing some respect because it didn't feel like they offered me respect. But then I examined that and I thought, how interesting, right? Because I don't know what prompted this person to cancel so last minute twice. I think in our society, there's a lot of mentality around like time and showing up on time, doing things on time, respecting people's time. But I've learned that everybody has a different relationship with time. And what one person may experience as being rude or disrespectful, another person may not. So it was an interesting opportunity for me to see how I was triggered, but then use my awareness that I've built up to realize that I have no idea what this person is going through. And unless they choose to communicate that with me, unless we have a relationship in which I felt comfortable reaching out to them, which I don't with this person, I just have to sit in the unknown. And I can only know how I feel about the situation. I can only notice my triggers, my reaction. And I have that control about how, what actions I take. I mean, number one is that since this person didn't automatically reschedule themselves, I have the choice about whether or not I approach them. And they're not the greatest communicator, this person I've learned through this experience of trying to book them on the show. So I can choose not to try again, which I'm not going to approach them again. I'm not going to ask them to reschedule. I'm just going to let it be. And if this person happens to reschedule themselves in the future, I can choose whether or not to accept that. I don't think that's going to happen based on their behavior. And anyways, I could just sit here and analyze so much of this person like, wow, do they respect me or not? Wow, did they really not want to be on this show and somehow just kept canceling because they didn't really want to do it? Maybe they felt like they should do it. You know what I mean? Like, it's such an interesting experience when you go through something like that. And also, it's a great opportunity to humble your ego because I found myself thinking like, wow, maybe they don't respect this show. Maybe they don't appreciate this show. Maybe they don't see this show as important. Maybe it's clearly not a priority to them. And so I could work on not taking it personally because I could also go down that rabbit hole of, as I mentioned, do they not respect me and my work? Do they not respect me as a human being? I thought that we had some sort of dynamic established and now I don't know. Like it was fairly easy for me to move through any personal feelings there, like towards myself, but towards the show, I got pretty triggered because I started to think, huh, maybe this show is not as important to others. I mean, clearly that actually just feels very factual because it feels important to me. I think it's important to some of the listeners who listen to every show, but for a guest, like they could probably care less. You know, I invited this person on the show that creates a very different dynamic than when somebody else asked to be on the show. That happens a lot too. But wow, I mean, the stories I could tell about my experience with guests on this show is kind of nuts. Every single time I book someone on the show, it's a unique experience, but there are patterns. And the patterns are super fascinating because a lot of times I'm pitched like a great majority of the guests that you hear on the show on Fridays are people that have asked to be on it. But sometimes it's 
their PR rep that is asked. Sometimes they hire an agent to get them on the shows. And I go through each application or email that I get and I examine it and I see like, okay, all the variables that I'm considering in terms of bringing a guest on the show. And, you know, not to make it sound too in the ego, but I get a lot of people asking to be on this show. And if I were willing to guess, I don't respond to a great majority of them. I have started working with an assistant who does reply very kindly to some people and let them know that they're not a fit. But just due to the systems of guesting, a lot of times it's just not worth the effort to reply to everybody. Because a lot of people, I think, just bulk apply to shows. And that's interesting too, because occasionally I get guests who really want to be on this show. They listen to this show. They've listened to multiple episodes. They understand it. They get me like they feel like they're a true fit. And then there's some people who apply to this show just because of the topics. You know, they see it's about mental health and wellness and well-being and social justice and all the things that are covered here. And they're just interested in any show that covers those topics. And they have their agent write out and you could feel there's like templated responses. Something that I went through in the past week was looking for new guests. And I have this form that guests can fill out. And I was amazed at least a third of this bulk of applications I'd received were so templated. I could tell that they were just copying and pasting, which is okay to an extent, but they weren't answering my questions. And I've created a pretty in-depth application to kind of weed out people or qualify people to make sure that they're the right fit. And some people will just give one word answers to something that other people would reply with a few sentences or even paragraphs. Some people respond to the question in a way that doesn't make any sense. (laughs) And like, I was just sitting there going through these applications thinking, wow, like, okay, that in itself disqualifies you. You actually could be a good fit for the show. But the fact that you don't put that effort in makes me uncertain about having you as a guest due to circumstances like this exactly. Like when somebody puts such low effort in, that's not only doesn't make them a fit for the show or a fit for me as a person, but for you. I have so much respect for you as a listener. Truly, I feel deeply grateful. I know some of the listeners of the show personally. I feel protective over you as a listener and I value you. If I were to bring people on who don't value me, that also is a way of saying that they don't value you. So who would I be as a podcast host to just let anybody on this show? And who would I be if I allowed people to not treat me in the way that I want to be treated, especially in relation to the time and effort that it takes to run this show? So all that awareness helped me move through my triggers with this scenario. And that disappointment was really interesting. And it reminded me of an experience I had a few weeks ago that was incredibly tough. And I haven't recorded the episode, the follow-up episode for my road trip. So I'm not sure yet if I'm going to incorporate this into it. But on my road trip across the country from Los Angeles to Massachusetts and various places on the East Coast, I got a speeding ticket. And this was the first time, I think, in about 10 years 
I remember getting a speeding ticket on the road trip I did with my sister in 2012. We were on our way to Chicago. It was 4th of July. And somewhere, I think, I feel like it was Iowa. (laughs) Um, I don't remember exactly, but I remember what the road looked like. I remember getting pulled over. And that had actually been the second time I'd been pulled over on the trip. The first time we were on our way into Las Vegas and we were having so much fun. We were both so excited. My sister and I are in my car. I had my convertible Volkswagen Beetle at the time. And we were like dancing to music and we were so excited to go to Las Vegas. And clearly I wasn't paying attention to the way I was driving and I got pulled over. And I asked that cop if he would let me go with a warning. He said, yes. And I was like, okay, phew, (laughs) dodged a bullet. But it didn't really work as a lesson because a few days later on 4th of July, I got that pulled over a second time and was ticketed. And I think that is was the first time I got a speeding ticket. And I don't know, I guess I just paid it and moved on with my life. It was annoying because I didn't have a lot of money at that time. I was in between work. I actually talked about this at the time in my life in a recent episode about travel, budgeting, and money, and all of the stages I've gone through with travel. So 10 years later, given that I don't recall ever getting a speeding ticket since, when I got pulled over in Washington State, it felt very different. I think the one I got in 2012 all I remember was the money feeling frustrating. It was probably around $100 to pay that ticket. Maybe more. I don't know. Maybe 150 at the most. Well, getting pulled over in Washington was not an issue in terms of that direct money because I have a different relationship to money now in 2022, 10 years later. Whereas this ticket ended up being $128. It's a bummer. There's plenty of ways I wish that I could spend $128, but that wasn't the issue this time. The issue this time was realizing that this was going to go on my record. And since my license is in California, when something goes on your record, it can bump up your insurance. And that day, which was a little over two weeks ago now, it was heavy. I don't remember it being that heavy in 2012. It could have been. And that's what's interesting about time. But the heaviness just felt so intense. I remember just feeling frustrated. I asked the officer if he would let me go with a warning. It's always worth asking. I don't even know for sure if I was speeding, if there was a mistake. So I'm actually thinking of contesting the ticket. I really wasn't going that fast, but clearly I was going fast enough for me to get pulled over. And it was so interesting because I found myself feeling like disappointed with myself and retracing all the steps that led up to it and how I could have done things differently. I found myself feeling frustrated with the system because I know 100% sure that I was not going faster than any other car. Well, how do I put this? I wasn't the fastest car on the road. I can tell you that for sure because I remember being behind another car. I remember I was going with the flow of traffic. I was probably going over the speed limit. Could have, might not have been quite as fast as he thought I was going in hindsight. But 
it's possible I was going that fast. And I just didn't think much of it because I was going with the flow of traffic. And so that unfairness of like kind of that why me of like, well, why didn't everybody else get pulled over? Why is it okay for them to just pick somebody? It was I just picked at random, you know, that whole system of our like the rules of the road is incredibly frustrating. And after driving so much over the past few weeks, let alone the few years that I've been doing this road trip, like I've seen people drive so recklessly. I've seen people go insanely fast. And I'm very mindful of my speed and to still get pulled over. The other big emotion, the most challenging and most uncomfortable emotion I felt from that speeding ticket was I didn't do well enough. Like that not enoughness came up in the sense that I thought I was doing okay. I know I wasn't driving perfectly. I know that I was going at least a few miles over the speed limit because I always do, because the other cars around me do. I mean, for anyone who drives regularly on highways, if you go the exact speed limit, people start to get seemingly annoyed. You never know because they're in their cars, but like people start to go around you and you'll notice that you're going slower than most people. It's so rare for people to go the speed limit on a highway in the States at least. So in order to balance out the whole rhythm of driving, I end up, I choose to, and I can't assume other people do this, but I choose to match my speed to about what other people are driving. And that's generally fine. And every once in a while, there's someone who's going the exact speed limit and they're, from my perception, slow, especially if they're in the left lane. (laughs) So I'll go around them. And then every once in a while, there's someone who's going exceedingly fast and they're zooming past me and going in and out of the lanes. And to me, I'm like, why would I, as an going the average speed of the other drivers, why does that get me a speeding ticket that's going to go on my insurance record for three years? You know, like it was just like that sitting with me and thinking like, I thought I was doing okay. I thought I was acceptable. I know it wasn't perfect, but I thought it was acceptable. And now I'm pulled over and told it was unacceptable. That's frustrating. And then I just, my brain started going to like all the ways in which people are treated, you know, and here I am as a white woman experiencing something unpleasant with a police officer. And like my mind goes, wow, like that's not that bad in the grand scheme of things. And I start thinking about like the horrific stories you hear about how people of color are treated by police officers and targeted and pulled over. And, you know, like, what about them? What about this system that pulls people over because of how they look or what car they're driving? You know, like it just the whole thing just like brought up all these emotions for me that were so unpleasant. And then like this feeling of like not being able to fix it. Like that's all I wanted to do. That's how my brain works. I just want to fix things. I want to resolve them. And that was especially fascinating because my brain like started going through every possible way like I could fix this. And then I started to feel helpless. One way was I just pay the ticket. But if I did do that, then the point would go on my record. And I thought that feels like just giving up, but it could be the easy way out. I mean, is that easy? Is it easy to have a point on your record for three years? I also 
weeks later, you know, they give you 30 days to decide what you want to do with the ticket. And I called up my insurance and my insurance couldn't even tell me how much my premium is going to go up. That's uncomfortable for me being in the unknown. Like, what if it went up $50? Like if over the course of three years, I have to pay $150 on top of the cost of the ticket. Having that information would feel so much more comfortable than not having it. But then I started going through the web and there's all these estimates and it could go up $800 a year. $800 because some police officer thought I was going too fast in the reality in which I really wasn't going that fast. $800 a year because I got picked out of a group of people who were all behaving about the same, but somehow I was the one that is now punished, you know, and I'm not trying to put myself in a place of victim. I'm trying to say that that systematic element is so messed up. Like there's no way to look at your driving across. Like for me, I drove like, I had even lost track. It was at least 4,000 miles on that trip, right? And like, a stretch. It was over the matter of a few minutes I was on this highway when I got pulled over. And it's like, probably I was driving 10 to 15 miles over the speed limit for a matter of minutes. And now there's a consequence for three years. And there's no way for someone to just like look at all of your driving history and say, you know what, in the grand scheme of things, you're a good driver. So we're going to let it like, this is what I mean by this system of just like, it's messed up. And yet this stuff happens all the time. And me feeling like so frustrated with this and so sad and beyond myself, just like the things people have to go through with our system. But it's like, so complicated, because how is this the best we can do in terms of treating our citizens? Like, is it that it's too complicated to do it any other way? I don't know. I mean, maybe it fuels this fire to get more involved with the system, but it just seems like deeply challenging. And that in itself is a tough emotion of like the unfairness. That's a big trigger for me when things feel unfair. And again, not on this like victimized mentality. It's when they're unfair as a whole. And when you experience just a glimmer of unfairness, it can open your eyes to all the injustice that happens all the time to people and what some people have to deal with that is relatively so much worse than getting pulled over for a small speeding ticket. But for me, my brain was like, I have to have the ramifications of just a few minutes of driving has a three-year-long ripple effect for me. And I don't even know how big that ripple is. That's kind of messed up. And it's messed up in the sense of like, I felt after that moment, driving suddenly became so unpleasant. And that made me sad because I really love driving. Now, the great news is, is that I was able to move through that fairly quickly. And within a couple of days, I actually forgot about it. <laughs> for better or for worse, I feel like, especially with my brain, I need to mark it down and make sure I don't miss the deadline of, of when I have to reply to this ticket. But a few days later, it was not on my mind as much as it was in that first 24 hours. I would say it probably took me 24 hours to move through the discomfort. After I got the ticket, I went to this little grocery store that I probably would have loved to be in. And I just went in there to get some food for myself. I could barely think straight. 
I just like, all I wanted to do was dissociate. That was something interesting I noticed. Like I wanted to pretend that did not happen and block it out. And so perhaps paying the ticket and dealing with whatever the three years of my insurance premium raise would be, maybe that would have been better for my brain. I don't know. I wish that it had been that simple. I guess if money isn't an object, like maybe that is simple. Maybe you pay the fine and you deal with your insurance hike and you move on with your life and block it all out as if it didn't happen. But then it's almost impossible. If something is with you for three years, you can't block it out. That's another frustrating thing. It's not as simple. Like as a, if you get a parking ticket, like it feels pretty simple depending on your relationship with money. But it was like really sad. I felt I felt sad for myself, like in a little of this like victim mentality of like, wow, I can't even enjoy this grocery store right now. And then I went on a a walk in Olympic National Park, which I was so excited to see. And just the whole walk, I felt heavy. And actually, that was kind of neat because there was barely anyone around on the trail that I was on. And I really just wanted to allow myself to process this and cry if I needed to and like just deal with it. And having the opportunity to be in nature and take a leisurely walk right after something hard like that was nice. But it was tainted because I kept thinking if I hadn't gotten that ticket, what would this walk have been like? And wondering how my sleep was going to be disturbed and on and on, all the things. But I guess just the distraction of traveling and being in nature and the healing power of that. And the next day I went, saw some friends, like all of that stuff allowed me to move through it. And I wonder, like, what if I didn't have all of those distractions? What if I got that speeding ticket and I was on my way home and I didn't have any work for days? Like it could have taken me a lot longer to move through it. I also kept wondering, like, could I have moved through this faster? What tools would it have taken for me to process that? And everybody processes these things differently. You know, like maybe somebody's able to see the big picture and just be like, you know what? Three years is not that long. And you know what? Like whatever the cost ends up being, I'll, I'll find a way to pay for it. But then it's, I can't even go there. My brain's like, oh my gosh, if I'm not panicked because my premium won't go up on my insurance and for another six months or so. And like $800 spread out across six months, like I know that I will have the money for that. And that in itself is a privilege. But what drives me nuts is thinking of all the things I could have bought with that potential $800. You know, like to me, $800 is a lot of money. It's not that I can't pay it. It's just that it feels like a lot. It is a lot of money. And I could just go on and on about what I could do with that money instead. I remember something else happened in my life recently. And I I was having those same thoughts of like, wow, there's a lot I could have done. And I wasn't expecting this to happen. And now here I am having to pay something that I could have put towards so many other things. I mean, but that's part of life too, truthfully. And this is also, on another side note, one of the reasons why I've started saving money. And I've talked a little bit about this, but it's worth mentioning again. Having money for emergencies is so helpful because if you can take the stress of money out of an equation, 
I feel like you have the room to process anything else that's lingering there. And for me, money def- influenced it beyond the, the justice side. I would so much rather spend my mental energy processing injustice and lack of fairness and other big issues. Like if I could just say the money's taken care of, put your attention on ways in which I could contribute to a better system. And if I can't change the system, can I help other people manage that? Can I help other people work through injustice? Can we have support groups? You know, like what else can we do? How can we band together? You know, maybe this can inspire me to get more involved with politics and the way the countries run. Like, well, I guess politics is the way our countries run, <laughs> you know, like the systems and, and, or maybe just understanding how things work. And, you know, there's so many layers to situations like that. And I am happy to report that weeks later after this happened, I'm not thinking about it very much. The ticket's actually sitting right here on my desk at my parents' house. And I decided I'm just going to let it be. And I'll keep you posted because I'm considering contesting it because the research I've done has been a little all over the place. But part of me is thinking it's kind of worth contesting this ticket just for the experience and the knowledge. You know, my options since this happened in Washington state where I don't live are probably going to be to hire an attorney, which sounds nuts, like speaking of resources. But just where I'm currently at, I kind of feel like in order to make a difference in the system, that is worthwhile. Because if I go down this route, talk to attorneys, figure out what my options are, I might learn some things about the system that could be really helpful versus if I just paid the ticket and sucked up what, however that impacts my insurance, I don't understand the system at all, you know? So I'm considering that. I'm doing some research. I've looked up websites. I'm reading articles about this. So there could be a whole episode if you're interested in this. And I would love to know your experiences too. Like, you know, it reminds me of when I did jury duty in Los Angeles a few years ago. I was assigned to this trial. And when they went around the room asking each of the potential jurors about how they felt about it, like, I had to be honest, like, I could feel so many biases coming up about police officers. And I wasn't even that aware of it until that trial. I ended up not being on the jury. I was just in the selection process, but I feel deeply uncomfortable with police officers. And like, there's part of me that values them. I see that they're, a lot of them are doing the best they can. A lot of them are really trying to protect people. I actually had a pleasant interaction with the police officer that pulled me over. And it's not even them's the individuals. It's just this whole system that I don't fully understand. Maybe there's more justice involved than I think. You know, maybe I am looking at it from a victim mentality. I'm not sure, but I do have a distrust. And I think that distrust is based on various biases. I think that distrust is based on ignorance. And I think this ticket might be my opportunity to educate myself more and to better understand things. And also, it certainly improved my driving. I was like, the rest of the trip, always made sure I was going as close to the speed limit as possible. I'm someone that tries to drive 
nine miles over the speed limit because what I got ticketed for was going 10 miles over the speed limit. That's how relatively slow or that's relatively the fact that I wasn't going that much fast. That <laughs> I was relatively going at a reasonable speed, in my opinion, like 10 miles is not insanely fast to me in, you know, anyways, I don't even know how to put this into words. But, you know, now you go under 10 miles. I think that they either if you go 10 miles under the limit, this is what I was always told, like in traffic school, in driver's ed, whatever, like they would always say, like, go 10 miles, go nine miles, anything under 10 miles, you know, that it's harder for them to ticket you or they can't ticket you or it depends on the area. And I don't even know if that's a myth. This is what I need to learn. <laughs> I will say that getting a ticket is punishment enough because I did not want to risk getting another one. I was like, if I got a second speeding ticket on this trip, like that would be bad. So, you know, this is part of what I wish. I wish that officer had let me go with a warning because I still would have driven incredibly careful. I wouldn't have like driven away thinking I got away with it. I'd be like, oh man, I better not let this happen again. Like I didn't need to pay for it to learn my lesson. This is part of what I mean. And I think just like wondering, did they make you pay for these things? Like are the insurance companies and the police like in with each other? Like I just wonder about these systems. Like why do you have to pay for stuff? Like just being told I made a mistake is enough for me to try not to do it again, you know? <laughs> But the money side of it just adds, it's so interesting. Anyways, I don't want that to dominate the rest of this episode because there was another instance I wanted to mention about things that have made me uncomfortable recently, which yesterday I got together with one of my oldest friends, like in terms of the longest I've known this person. And we have grew up in the same town where my parents still live, this friend's parents no longer live in this area, but this friend works within an hour. And so every year that I visit my parents, I try to get together with this friend. And when we were making our plans for yesterday, they told me that another friend from, or another classmate of ours, somebody that I wouldn't really consider a friend simply because I haven't been in touch with this person for a long time. and. We all got together and had what I thought was a really wonderful time together, truly. I mean, it's a one of those days that I could look back on and say, like, that felt like such a nice summer day. And I was craving an experience like that because we decided that we were going to grill food. So my friend and I went to the store and we picked out drinks and we got vegan burgers and, you know, snacks and like all this great food. And we took it back to my parents' place and my parents were around. So they were happy to join us and we got the grill going and all the food on the grill. It was just like one of those nice summer experiences. And we sat around and hung out for like eight or nine hours and just talked and reminisced and had nostalgia. And it was awesome. So this classmate joined us. And this classmate and I were also in school, just like with my other friends, like we were all in school together from kindergarten. And I grew up in a small town where the kindergarten was nearby. And then there was a 
elementary school and in a high school across the street, like all within this small radius because this town is so small in Massachusetts. And a lot of my classmates just continued their education the entire time. As long as their parents still lived in town, they were in this school system, public school. And I forgot that this classmate who joined us yesterday had been through most of the school experience with me because I went my entire education before college in this town, in the school system. Now, some people left and went to private school, and I didn't realize that this person ended up doing that as well. Anyway, so I have like memories. I absolutely know who this person is, but like my memories of where they were and how much they were in my grade, my class grade, it hadn't even registered with me. And to be like, wow, you were in kindergarten with me. I forgot about that. And you were in this grade with me, like, you know, filling in all these blanks. That was interesting. But this person actually had a bigger role in my life than I fully recognized. And what was especially interesting is I was thinking of this person a few days before we got together, I think randomly, and I don't even know why I remember this, but we went through an experience that I guess you could call a bit traumatic. And I actually might bring this person on the podcast to talk about it. I don't know if actually they'd want to talk about this instance. And just to protect myself and them and all the details, I'll leave out. But essentially, we got together with another friend when we were kids. I think we were around 10 to 12 years old. And it happened right down the street from my parents' house where my friend lived and this classmate of mine I've been referencing. We all got together and something happened that led my friend and I to do something potentially harmful to this classmate. And to leave out the details, it won't share what we did. But I've thought about that instance a lot. And I thought about it in the lens of like, wow, that was a pretty messed up thing to do to somebody. It's kind of like my brain stops there after that thought, but it's lingered with me. It's had a powerful effect on me and it's become fuzzy over time because it happened so long ago. And I remember when I heard that this classmate was going to get together with me and the friend. And again, (laughs) I don't want to share any of their names. So my friend Let's call it friend A is the one that was with me and the classmate yesterday. And friend B was the one that I did something with to the classmate. Hope this makes sense. So friend B was not involved at all yesterday. But to my classmate yesterday, I ended up bringing up that instance and I realized how much impacted that classmate. And it was really intense to realize because from what I understand, that thing that I did all those years ago was not only potentially physically harmful to that person, but it was definitely emotionally harmful because that person was scared. And then that person was scarred because they didn't understand why me and friend B did that to them. And on my side of it, I always thought of it as like a bad thing that friend B and I did 
but it wasn't that bad. You know, like I justified it as a kid and I glossed over it. But as an adult, I see how potentially harmful that could have been. And I also see how to do that thing to another kid is really unacceptable. And that's hard as an adult. It's really hard because it's almost like I want to justify it, but I know I can't. Like there's no justifying it. And I ended up having an opportunity to discuss this with my classmate and apologize and take ownership for it. And part of me thinks like, wow, that was a really good opportunity, like in a positive way. And it was a good opportunity, but not in a way that made me feel good. It actually made me feel like I still want to make up for the emotional damage I did. Not to make myself feel better, but I, it's like I want to, it's repent the right word. I'm not sure. Like I want to just acknowledge the damage. And the fact that all these years, I didn't realize how deep the damage went. I still don't know if I understand it because friend A was there with me and friend A knew about the situation. I don't know how, because friend A and friend B are also friends. (laughs) And so friend A had heard about what friend B and I did to the classmate and also recognized like that was messed up. But I don't know if any of us as friends recognized how much that impacted our classmate, how much our classmate thought about these things. And that's so interesting. Like if this, the whole conversation of examples I've brought up today ties together, it's that sometimes the things we can move through as individuals, they may have a much bigger impact on somebody else than we will ever imagine. Like, let's take, for example, the person that was supposed to be a podcast guest on the show. Like, maybe for them, they don't think it's a big deal that they canceled on me twice, but it was a big deal for me. And then I could also look at it from the other angle as like, what if this person is going through something that I will never understand and that's why they canceled? So it's like not making assumptions about how your actions impact other people, but also not making assumptions about why somebody performs an action, you know? All of this, I can kind of like intellectually think about this as much as possible, but my heart just breaks for that classmate as a kid. Like, I can't stop thinking about what that would have been like as a kid to have gone through something that really scared them enough to scar them, you know? And I just like regret it. I want to take responsibility for it. Like, there's no way that I can understand why I did that as a kid. I don't remember. We actually, the classmate and I last night, were trying to remember, like, what had happened that led up to that moment, and we couldn't. And then I think, wow, was I just being a bully? Like, I don't identify as a bully. I don't remember being a bully. But what if I was a bully and I blocked that out? You know, and then I think about this speeding ticket instance and how my brain wanted to block out something bad that happened. What if I did that with that classmate? What if it was too much for me to process as a child and take responsibility for my actions? So I just blocked it out and moved on with my life. But he didn't have that luxury. That also ties into the injustice side of things. And I think that's why it weighs so heavy on me is that I need to take responsibility for the times that I've hurt other people. I need to take responsibility for the times that I've done something unfair. I'm not a victim all the time. Maybe I'm never a victim. I'm not sure, but I'm not 
an innocent, perfect person that doesn't hurt other people. And the crazy thing is, I may hurt people all the time without even realizing it. I certainly have on this podcast. People have written me letters before and told me I've said something that hurt them. And it might have been accidental, but it doesn't mean that I didn't do it. I might have said something and it might not have impacted me, but that doesn't mean it doesn't impact somebody else, you know? And that's what's interesting about life is I think it can really help with the ego. And when you recognize that you can't always protect yourself, you can't always protect other people, life can feel like walking on eggshells and that can feel incredibly stressful. And it's part of me thinks like, okay, well, you just go on living your life the best you can, but you also have to kind of, you also have to continuously learn and Sometimes taking responsibility for your actions is part of that. I mean, taking responsibility, the fact I absolutely was going over the speed limit. I take responsibility for that. Does that mean I deserve to have something impact me for three years? Maybe so. Maybe the system is fair. Maybe that's just the way it works. Maybe it's black and white like that. You know, plenty of people do things. You might be justifying it because everyone else is doing it. That doesn't mean that it's right. It might feel unfair, but it doesn't mean it is unfair, you know? You might feel innocent doesn't mean you are innocent. It's a complicated thing. And I think when things weigh heavy on me, I like to take the time to process it, discuss it here on the show, think about it, read about it. Makes me want to do more research, just like on my speeding ticket. Like I want to look back on what happened in that incident and maybe see if I can find any resources. Like how do you process something that you did as a child, that's not okay. Do you sit around with the guilt? Is that guilt effective? Do you, is the apology enough? Is acknowledging it enough? And what is enough? This is complex. It's not an easy thing. And, you know, sometimes my brain goes like, wow, no wonder a lot of people feel like they just can't catch a break. Cause here are three things that have happened, two of which happened to me in the last 24 hours. Like the guest cancels on me. That was annoying. But last night's realization was really challenging thing for me to process. And then I have something that was also challenging a few weeks ago. Like that's a lot. Those are just three things. I'm sure I could think of a whole bunch of other things that have been challenging. I'm sure you can too. It's like, this is part of the life experience. I don't know why, at least for me, I think whoever told us that we would catch a break in life? <laughs> you know, like, where was this idea that if we just followed the rules, everything would go smoothly? I mean, I suppose I wasn't following the rules if I was going nine miles over the speed limit or whatever it was, or according to the police officer, 10. Maybe I was. So I guess I wasn't following the rules. And I don't know if what I did as a kid was following the rules, looking back, but maybe I didn't have the rules. As a, like, maybe I didn't know the rules. Maybe the only way that we can learn these big lessons is to make a mistake that we didn't even anticipate making and to have forgiveness for ourselves and for others, to have compassion for one another, to realize like everybody is going through things and hopefully everybody is doing the best that they can. And we're fumbling through and figuring it all out. And it is uncomfortable. That's the big theme of this show. It feels good to share out loud that I can share. <laughs> it's all the processing that I do through reflecting on this stuff. And on that note, I'm going to wrap up this episode. 
I'm going to pause for just a couple minutes or less <laughs> to give a shout out to the tool that has made this episode possible. If you are enjoying the high quality audio, if you enjoy seeing the video version of episodes like this over on YouTube, that is all made possible by Zencaster. And I'm shouting them out because for listeners like you, they have made a huge difference. And I think it's really important to share behind the scenes, like, how do I do things like this? How do I make it sound good? How do I edit? How do I uh, monetize with sponsors like this? I always want to be really transparent. And my favorite podcast tool for recording is Zencaster. That's Z-N-C-A-S-T-R. And if you're thinking about starting your own show, or perhaps you have a podcast and you want to take it to another level... Zencaster is one of very few tools that I wholeheartedly recommend after using it for over two years. I jumped on this platform once the pandemic started in 2020 and I haven't turned back. I think they're absolutely amazing and they have gotten even better recently. You can record video in 4K. You can even distribute your episodes now. You can monetize, like I said, work with sponsors. I could go on and on. I'll share more in some future episodes because Zencaster is sponsoring this show for a few months now. I want you to have the same easy experiences that I do for all my podcasting and content needs. So if you go to Zencaster.com slash pricing and enter the promo code Wellevator, you'll get 30% off your first three months of their paid platform features. You can use it for free. But I will say that the paid versions of Zencaster are really worthwhile. So again, that's Zencaster.com, Z-E-N-C-A-S-T-R. And you're going to enter the promo code Wellevator, W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R. I've made it super easy so you don't have to memorize it. It's in the description of this episode on your podcast player, as well as on the show notes at Wellevator.com. If you have any questions about Zencaster, let me know but let's get back to the episode now. Thank you so much for tuning in. As usual, I have new episodes every Monday where I discuss elements of my life, the lessons that I'm learning, the things that I'm doing, the discomfort I feel. And on Fridays, I have a guest here to discuss their own experience and their own lessons and things that they can pass on to enlighten me and perhaps you as well. So, if you would like to hear those episodes and stay informed, you can subscribe. If you would like to get more details on this episode and all the other episodes of the show, you can go to wellevator.com. That's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com. There are full transcripts and videos for every episode. There are resources for anything mentioned. In this episode, I guess I didn't mention any resources, but my team that I work with does a great job of looking up all sorts of things. So I actually enjoy looking at the show notes because there'll be links to things I wasn't even expecting. <laughs> and one of those links is to get in touch. I would love to hear from you, especially after an episode like this. I would love to hear about any tickets you've had, any traffic violations or experiences with police officers. How do you handle disappointment and feelings of disrespect? How do you process things that 
you did as a child that you regret or lessons that you're still learning as an adult about things that might have happened a long time ago? I would love to know that from you. So if you want to share that, there are a few different ways to get in touch. You can email me. My email address is on wellevator.com. You can send me a direct message on social media, as many people choose to do. A lot of people like to use Instagram. I have a couple Instagram accounts at witlauritsen, W-H-I-T-L-A-U-R-I-T-S-E-N. That's my personal account. Or you can go to the Wellevator account, which is at Wellevator. And I haven't been posting on there recently, but I'm hoping during this trip that I will start posting again little clips, especially to honor the amazing guests that come on the show. And lastly, if you want a little bit more of a personal experience and a really unique experience, I suppose, that involves other people, you can join my private community, which is called Beyond Measure. And every week, I have a video conversation with the members. Everyone's welcome. It's very relaxed, but we do focus on different elements of our lives and discuss the highs and the lows and the challenges and the wins. And it's really just a place to hold space for one another as we go through life and the uncomfortable times. And then sometimes we just hang out and have fun. So if that's something you're interested in, I'd love to have you part of it. You can check it out. It is on my website, WhitneyLauritsen.com, and it will be linked in the show notes at Wellevator.com. I know I have a lot of different links. That's why the show notes are there, to put it all in one place to make it easy for you. And uh, whatever you choose, even if you choose to be silent and never communicate with me, I'm just grateful that you are here today. Until next time, I'm wishing you all the very best with whatever discomforts you're currently dealing with. And I hope that this has been a reminder to you that you're not alone, that everybody goes through uncomfortable times. It's all relative. And that's just the life experience for better or for worse. All right. Bye for now. Thanks for listening and getting out of your comfort zone with us today. For show notes and more high-performance resources to help you thrive, go to wellevator.com. That's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com.